Let's pray as we turn our hearts and minds to God's word. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts gathered here be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Thank you for being our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we gave third graders their very own Bibles this weekend so they can learn to read and study God's word for themselves. Bible study is a really important piece of discipleship. We're talking about discipleship this weekend, and a key piece of Bible study is also understanding what we're reading. So today we're going to start with an important word that is going to come up over and over in our reading from John. The word is abide. Stay close to me and or hang tight with me are kind of the best um, ways to understand it in this scripture. And think about, think of this as like, if you're watching Sesame Street, this is the word on the street, okay? Abide is the word on the street today. It's really the word in the scripture, Um, but you're going to hear it a lot. So what does it mean? Stay close to me, hang tight with me, remain, stay connected. To understand what this might look like in everyday life, abiding in something might look like following a particular sports team really closely. Maybe going to all the games, wearing their colors, decorating your house or your office or your room or whatever in their colors too, keeping up with the players and the stats. Some of you are really good at this, so you already know how to abide. And today we're not talking about sports teams, but um, we are talking about what it means to abide in God and in Jesus, so listen for that. Also, at Bethany, we don't always read the scripture right at the beginning of a sermon. We kind of weave it in. But today, I'm going to read it first because it's the foundation of the rest of our, script, of our sermons always. I, we read it first when we begin writing, and so we're going to read it first today uh, before we hear the rest of what God has to say to us. So our, our first scripture is John 15, verses 1 through 11. And if you just got your own Bible, um, the bulletin has your page numbers in it, because I know you guys don't know how to find everything in your Bibles yet. But John 15 is on page 1235. So take a look at that if you want to follow along. I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking, okay? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be complete, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So some, after you see these pictures of one side of my house, you might think that I'm a gardener. Um, You can see my compost bins and raised beds. Here's another view. Um, 
and another one. So you might think that I'm a gardener. If you're, if you're a real gardener, you might be able to tell differently. Um, I would classify myself more as an experimental gardener. Like I, I plant an experimental vegetable garden each growing season. I kind of wait to see what happens. I don't do much research. I don't have a lot of skills. I put in very little work into this process, really. I mean, other than doing it. I do it every season, but once the seeds are planted, we water them because we know that's really important. Um, but real gardeners would probably laugh at my efforts, and they'd probably be surprised that they ever yield anything that we can eat. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. But working on my side, the fact that my mom and her mom both tended vegetable gardens in their backyards when I was growing up, so I helped with that. I kind of knew a little bit about the process, but... Um, also, 10 years passed between when I lived in a house with a vegetable garden and when I decided to start one, so I'd forgotten a lot of things, okay? I'm also really busy. I don't have much free time, and I don't spend my free time learning about how to make my garden better. I just, that's not how I spend my time, usually. So, um, if I did, maybe I could deal with all the pests that sometimes come into gardens and take over a whole entire plant or... Um, whatever. Maybe I could. But anyways, it's working out okay. My garden's a hobby. My life and my nutrition don't depend on it, so that's all right. Um, some years it's really successful. Like we have tons of cucumbers. So many we're making pickles and, and we're giving bags of tomatoes and peppers to our neighbors and all these kinds of things. Um, other years, not, not going so well. This year is not a great year for our garden. Um, you can see in this picture, this is our tomato forest, as we're lovingly calling it. But this tomato forest has only produced about a dozen tomatoes this entire summer. That's not a lot of tomatoes for all those plants. So some years it doesn't go well. What's my point? My point is that without putting in the time to learn about growing a successful garden, without putting in the effort to tend it as well as possible, I'll never have a garden that's thriving. Sometimes it'll produce something worth eating, sometimes not. Whoever really knows, not me. Um, but we're going to turn our attention today to another kind of growth and thinking about discipleship. You have heard us talk about worship plus three. This is what that looks like written down. Worship plus three equals spiritual growth. So worship plus discipleship plus service plus generosity. Those are the three. Discipleship, service, and generosity lead to spiritual growth. And you heard about um, worship last week. You're going to hear about service next week and generosity after that. We're trying to go through all of those and help you to make sure you really understand um, these four things that lead to our spiritual growth. And today, our focus is on discipleship. So we're going to take a look at the definition of discipleship that the clergy put together. Discipleship is the intentional lifelong journey of growing as a follower of Jesus, done through both personal and communal practices— focusing on our relationship with God, gaining knowledge, and living it out in everyday life. Now, I realize that's dense, has a lot of stuff in it, so we're going to go through it more slowly a couple times. Uh, discipleship is the intentional, lifelong journey of growing as a follower of Jesus. It's done through personal and communal practices, focusing on our relationship with God, gaining knowledge, and living it out in everyday life. So let's break that down a little bit. Discipleship is intentional. That means that we do it with purpose. It's deliberate. It's not something that happens by accident or something that happens by chance. You have to put in um, intentional effort. It's lifelong. It's a lifelong journey. That means that it's not going to be accomplished in five minutes. 
um, that it's not something we can set a short, you know, three-month goal and say, oh, discipleship, check, got that one done, because um, it's going to take the rest of our lives. Um, for those of us who have short attention spans, that can be challenging as well. So we just have to work with however God has created us <laughs> to, to work on it for our entire lives. Um, and it's the process of growing as a follower of Jesus. That means learning to love God and learning to love others. Um, you might have heard the term sanctification. That's John Wesley's term for um, following Jesus, learning to love God and others better throughout our lives. And how do we do it? We do it through personal practices um, and communal practices. Personal practices are things like scripture reading and Bible study. We were just talking about with our third graders. Um, prayer, journaling, service, generosity. I know you're going to hear more about those in the weeks to come, and I'm not trying to confuse you by bringing them into discipleship, but they are personal practices that do help us in our discipleship and help us grow um, as disciples. And these are all means of grace. Means of grace are things that help us draw close to God. And means of grace is another one of John Wesley's terms. And, and so means of grace can be those things I just listed, those like churchy things that you might think of, but they could also be other things. There might be things that help you draw close to God that aren't on that list or that you might not expect, but if they help you draw close to God, they can still be a means of grace in your life and a personal practice. And communal practices are important as well. Uh, the most obvious one is what we're doing right now, worship. You're all here. Um, that's important. But other things that we do in community, like grow groups or Sunday school classes or group Bible studies or Emmaus groups or whatever kind of group that you might be in that helps you grow in your discipleship. Also, discipleship focuses on our relationship with God. So that's something we develop with God. No one else can do that for us. Um, we have to put in the time to do that, just like we would in developing a relationship with a friend or um, with someone that we're dating or, um, you know, any other person that we need to get to know in our life. Um, also focuses on gaining knowledge. So we we gain knowledge in lots of different ways. We can gain it by reading the Bible. We can gain it by reading books about the Bible and books about theology and um, talking to others and hearing other stories and learning from them about how they're learning from God and um, exchanging in that way knowledge. Um, and also living it out in everyday life. So we don't just take in things for us. We don't just grow in our discipleship for us. We live it out for others, and we do that so that others can experience God's love and so that others can know God's love through us. So that's, that's kind of the basics on the definition of discipleship, but we'll kind of dig into that a little bit more. Um, we're going to think about that again in connection to my garden. And considering the small amount of effort that we put in, some years, I mean, it's a really good garden, other years not so much, but overall, probably pretty decent. Um, but if you look more closely, like at this picture, we planted things in these two beds this year, but they all died. Everything died in both of those beds. I, I don't know. I'm not sure why, but they did. Um, and this other one, that looks like things are growing in it, and they are, but they're weeds, all of them. We never decided what to plant in this bed this year. We just never, never got around to making a decision and putting some things in the ground. So um, the weeds are like overtaking it, and we're storing some mulch in there too in a bag. So, I mean, yeah, that one's not, that, not very productive. So the point is, um, 
Without more intentionality and research, without putting in more time and effort, our garden will always be an experiment in mediocrity. And at this point in my family's life, that's okay. We have other things to do, like take care of our children and do our jobs and, you know, other stuff. This is fun. We do, we do enjoy it, but we don't put in a ton of effort. And without it, um, without being intentional season after season... Um, without spending time in our garden every day pulling weeds and spending time learning the specifics about what types of things will grow best and how to care for them the best way and how to get rid of pests and, and whatever it is that eats tomatoes when they actually do grow. I don't know, squirrels, birds. I'm not sure where they go, but they're getting eaten. Um, and so if, I, if we don't learn and do all of those things, we won't have a thriving garden. What if we made working in the garden an important part of our family's daily life? Imagine if we did all of those things. Now think about that in relation to your discipleship, in relation to your life with God. Imagine what it would look like in your life if you put in the daily work day after day. Here's the thing. Growing a thriving garden is a lot of hard work. You get sweaty, you get dirty, it can be painful, like your back and your knees and everything, everything can hurt after you work in your garden. And aspects of it are, are rewarding, for sure, but it's not always fun. And discipleship can be similar in some ways. Tish Harrison Warren, who's the author of a book I love, um, it is called Liturgy of the Ordinary, Sacred Practices in Everyday Life. Uh, she has some words to say about this. She says, I often want to skip the boring daily stuff to get to the thrill of an edgy faith. But it's in the dailiness of the Christian life, the Christian faith, the making the bed, the doing the dishes, the praying for our enemies, the reading the Bible, the quiet, the small, that God's transformation takes root and grows. In my garden, I often skip the small stuff. The regular weed pulling and pruning and pest monitoring, and that affects my garden's ability to thrive. The same is true in our discipleship. We won't thrive as followers of Jesus if we skip the daily stuff like prayer and studying scripture, like confession and praying for our enemies and taking time, no matter how much extra time and energy and patience that it requires to share our faith with our children by engaging in prayer and scripture reading and worship and other faith formation practices with them. As we heard in the scripture from John's gospel, Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and God is the vine grower. And thankfully, God is a much better vine grower than I am. God is consistent and faithful, always present, always working. God removes the branches that do not bear fruit. God prunes the branches that bear fruit so they can bear more fruit. God does the daily work of showing up and tending the vine. What are we being asked to do as one of the vine's branches? We're being asked to abide. There it is again, that word. We're being asked to abide, to stay connected to the vine. By abiding in Jesus, we will bear fruit. Going back to John 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Our task is to abide with God, to stay close and connected to God. And if we do not abide, we will wither. 
But don't miss that this verse also says that God will abide in us. It says, those who abide in me and I in them. God will abide in us. God is always faithful in remaining with us, in staying close. A few verses later, in verse 8, it says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Staying connected to the vine and staying connected to the love of God in Christ Jesus is our calling as disciples. We're called to be a branch that not only bears fruit, but does so with joy. Now, I know we've been speaking in a lot of metaphors. Metaphors aside, what does it look like to be a disciple? Our passage from Hebrews gives us some instruction in that regard. Um, This is Hebrews 10, and if you have your third grade Bible, it's on page 1405, so you can follow along with us again. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching." Though this passage doesn't use the word abide, it's also talking about closeness and connection to God. It's because of Christ that we can abide with God. Jesus opened a way for us by becoming flesh and dwelling among us and dying and rising and cleansing us from sin. This is a gift that enables us to draw near to God, and it's the gift of salvation. But friends, Discipleship does not end with salvation. That's merely the beginning of, remember, a lifelong process. Discipleship is a journey, a long one, however long our life is. You're not, we're not done with discipleship until we're dead. And although there is a lot of really good stuff in this Hebrews passage, um, y'all don't want a 40-minute sermon, so we're going to focus on the imperative for community at the end, going back to verses 24 and 25 again, and let us consider how to provoke one another on to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Consider how to provoke or irritate or pester or spur, translated could be lots of ways, but how to provoke one another on toward love and good deeds. That sounds like bearing fruit from our passage in John. Living as a disciple, learning to love as Christ loved is bearing fruit. But Hebrews is clear that we can't do this in isolation. We need community. And our passage from John is clear on this as well. The vine, Jesus, does not only have one branch, and a single branch cannot produce much fruit, There must be many branches, many branches all connected to the vine. But together, when we encourage one another, we can produce fruit by learning to love God and others together, by learning from one another. 
When I was in seminary in Durham, North Carolina, David and I were part of a small church, and um, even though it was a small church, there were actually several young adults there, and um, all of us were in our 20s, and every Thursday evening, five or six of us would gather um, and study scripture, and we would read the lectionary text because our sermons for the week were on the lectionary text, so we were um, reading the scripture to prepare for worship. And what began as a combination of fellowship and Bible study changed over the course of three years to be a lot more than that. We lived our lives with one another. And I was a seminary student, but um, everyone else was just working in different jobs in the community, going to school and and doing something else. Um, But we were all living in a different state than our families. None of us were from North Carolina, and so none of us were close to home. So we had that in common as well. And we became family for one another. We supported one another and prayed for one another and cried with one another through countless difficult family situations and job changes and breakups. And um, one member of our group had open heart surgery and um, someone else had depression and whatever life threw at us, we were there with one another, supporting one another, all while reading scripture and growing in our discipleship together. And we even shared our Thanksgiving and Easter meals together because those are short breaks. And so um, it's hard to travel home for those um, short holidays. So we we shared those times together as well. And we served together when our church hosted homeless families and did work in the community. And um, we grew as disciples together. We encouraged one another toward love and good deeds, toward our lifelong journey of growing as followers of Jesus. We helped one another to abide in God, and by helping one another stay connected to the vine, the bonds we formed were deep. And it's been more than eight years since David and I moved back to Texas, and um, since then, everyone in that group has moved somewhere else. We're all over the place again, but after eight years, I'm still being formed by that group. I'm being formed by the time we spent together and the relationships that we still share today, they still encourage me on my journey of discipleship. And I wonder, I wonder if you've experienced a discipleship community like this. I wonder if you've experienced a small group of people who, were, who will encourage you and challenge you in your discipleship while praying for you and while not letting you go. If you're part of one now, take a moment to give thanks for that group and ask God how you can grow deeper with one another. If you aren't part of one right now, take a moment to consider why and ask God to show you the next step for growing in your discipleship journey. It could be that the next step is right in front of you, literally listed on the insert to your bulletin. It could be there. There's an insert that looks like the front of the bulletin in this picture, but it says wherever you are, there's a community you can grow with. And so take a look at this. Um, There are different Um, communities that you can be involved in, whether you're just starting out or um, whether you've been on this journey for a while and um, you're asking God to help you grow deeper. There will also be folks in the gathering area today to help you um, connect to a discipleship community if, if you're feeling called to do that. My prayer for you, wherever you are on your journey of discipleship, is that you can take one step closer to God, to abiding in the one who gives you life. And maybe you're in a discipleship community already that's helping you grow. And and instead, you're feeling a pull to engage more deeply in personal spiritual practices. And we can help you um, to take that step as well. But whatever you do, stay connected to Jesus. Seek a way to stay connected 
and to abide in the vine that is tended faithfully by God the Father, and you will bear fruit in your life. Now, today's challenge doesn't stop with how we can grow deeper. That's really important and essential work. Um, but we need to be engaged in all the daily tasks of discipleship, in personal practices and connection to a community. But another piece of discipleship involves leading others who are not as far along on their faith journey. And responding to that call might involve some pruning in our lives. Um, God will tell us, and God will do the pruning. Back to John 15, verse 2 says, He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. So if you're connected to the vine and bearing fruit and growing as a disciple, how is God calling you to bear more fruit, to be a leader for others? Perhaps God's calling you to help your children to grow in their faith um, and grow in their discipleship in your own household, helping them uh, practice their faith um, at home. Perhaps you don't have children in your household and God's calling you to serve with children or with youth in Sunday school or small groups um, by um, helping lead children in their discipleship in that way. Or maybe, maybe you can befriend a family at church or in your neighborhood um, who um, could really use someone to be a leader for them. Um, you can be a leader in that way. Maybe children and youth isn't your gift and that's, that's fine. Um, maybe God's calling you to be a leader for other adults um, and to support adults in other ways or to do some sort of uh, ministry that helps support um, the undergirding of, of the church and others in their discipleship ministry. Um, only you know how God is speaking into your heart today. Where is God calling you to grow? Where is God leading you in your discipleship? Where does God want to prune you so that you can bear more fruit? Consider that as we pray. Loving God, we are grateful for your faithfulness, your faithfulness in abiding with us and staying close and connected to us. Speak into our hearts now and help us to know how you are calling us to abide in you so that we can grow and bear fruit and also where we need pruning. Help us to take that next step to faithfully abide in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.